Christ Worship by the Belonging Company, featuring Carrie Job, Hosanna, the acoustic version. Um, just want to say greetings to all that is listening, all that will be listening once this uh, gets posted on the podcast. But we just want to just give a warm welcome to everyone that's out there listening from all different types of nations, wherever you're at. The Lord is there with you and the Holy Spirit is among you. And I believe that God's word never comes back in void. So I just want to welcome everyone from different platforms, from Apple, from Anchor, and other uh, other platforms. We just welcome you. We pray that God's blessing would be upon you. And also that his word would penetrate your heart. That would lead for transformation today. So before we jump in to the topic today, um, would anybody like to share any testimonies, anything that God has done for them in the past week? Uh, this is your time just to... Um, just a fellowship and commune right now. So, well, I have a little testimony. <laughs> okay, um, I'm here. I mean, it's like good news. Um, I posted a video on YouTube today, but we have a new member of the family, and <gasps> he's a little puppy. <laughs> his, oh, yeah, nice! His name's Rocky, and he's a standard poodle. And so, yeah, we just got him Tuesday and honestly, I'm like so blessed. Like I didn't even, I forgot what it was like to have a puppy because my other dog's 11 years old, but just like the, how, how you feel like the love that you feel. And I'm just so grateful Mm -hmm. and thankful. And I didn't know I was going to be like, so in love, you know, and just like caring for him and just, I don't know. It's just like, I literally thank God. Like I take him outside 20 times a day to teach him how to potty. And um, he's, no, he's so smart. But when I'm out there, I'm just like, wow, God, like you are so good. Just like all the blessings, even if they're little blessings, you know. And I'm just so grateful and thankful and happy to have another little member. (laughs) That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember when we got Zeus, our German shepherd. Mm -hmm. It was was so nice. It was was such a blessing, like you said. Like God made that creature and gave it to us, you know, that we get to be good stewards and we have an, a new little friend, you know, and it's uh it's definitely a blessing. It's so cool just to have a little member of the family. So oh, yes. that's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing. Um I kinda have a testimony that I thought was really good. So Frank um is he works for Olympus. Uh, for my company, he does like custodian work. And um, yesterday, I seen him for the first time in months. And we kind of just were catching up and just, you know, just talking and just asking how he's been. And, and I, I prayed for him about, say, last winter. Or so probably about six months ago, I prayed for him. And uh, he had really bad tingling pain in his feet. Um, I believe it was maybe due to some sort of nerve damage in his feet. And it was just that kind of that needle burning sensation in his feet every time we walked. And when I prayed for him six months ago, and I saw him yesterday for the first time, I asked him, I said, how's your feet been? And he's like, he's like, man, once you, once you prayed for me that one time, it's never been the same. 
And I just thought, wow, that's so amazing when, when God really just restores someone that God's goodness leads them to this repentance. God shows his glory through his people and transforms other lives. And uh, so that was amazing. So actually, I was able to pray for his hand. He he got some surgery on his wrist and it leaves his hands kind of crippled and stiff-like. And I started praying for his hands yesterday and I just felt like the Lord was like loosening his grip and I just feel like his tendons and nerve damage that happened to his hand was being restored and so I, I, I did that yesterday and then today I seen him before I before I got into the podcast and spent time with the Lord um, I, I noticed that he walked with, with a sort of like a limp and I asked him I said hey man like what, what's wrong with your hip and he said that five years ago he had hip surgery and once they did that hip surgery his hips haven't been the same and then two years later, after the initial surgery, um, he had to get another hip surgery. So, you know, there's there's all types of probably complications that happened. But I was able to actually pray for his hip and his leg grew out. And he said, man, my leg feels longer. He said, I felt relief on my hip. And I prayed for his hip again. And he said that he just felt this burning all over him and he got hot and he just had goosebumps all up his arm and i just said that was the presence of the lord and i said that was the holy spirit that i can't heal a fly it's jesus name that's above every other name and it's jesus the one that heals and so it was cool just to reach out to him and i was telling him about this podcast I was telling him about how we're here to disciple we're here to grow as as the body of christ and and that we're individual members and we all have gifts and callings to bring to God. So it was just cool that he even wanted to just join today. I know he's working right now because he does the night shift, but it was just really cool that he was even open just because a, a seed was planted. And I could see that the Lord is really drawing his heart if he's healing him in multiple places that he's suffering from. So um, it was a truly blessing. So oh, that's amazing. It's great yeah. to hear those testimonies. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just so amazing what God will do once you just kind of step out that leap of faith. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so I encourage everybody that's listening, and it's just that you know, don't be afraid and don't be fearful because God is with you. He's with you in that time. You know, He hasn't given you the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind, and He's empowered us. Everyone that is a believer, everyone that is born again has that indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And there's power, so much power in the Holy Spirit that we just, it, it's unsearchable, but it's also un, like unlocked. And we have to go and dive deep in the deep depths of God through his spirit to really grasp those gifts and grasp that type of confidence in him because it's not all about miracle signs and wonders it's about righteousness and waking up in righteousness and having this right standing relationship with the lord and being loved by him and you love him that's where that true power comes from and uh it's amazing so what we will do um we're gonna talk about the book of revelation today 
and we're going to be covering Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And what these two chapters cover is the seven churches, the seven churches of East of, uh, of East of East Minor. And so just to give you a little background, these these churches are represented in Revelation chapter one as Jesus being amongst the seven lampstands. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches of Asia Minor. And in this time, this is during the Roman Empire. This is during where actually Christians were being persecuted more than ever. This was this was like 64 AD in the in the month of July. And I was doing some research about it and just learning more about these seven churches, but it's amazing because you know, if we if we know about Greek mythology, if we know about Roman empires, they had multiple gods like Zeus and Poseidon and Athena and Hermes and all these other gods. And they were so adamant about building idols and building statues and building temples for these gods. But they never heard about the one true living God until Paul went and started preaching the gospel all around uh, the Roman Empire. And uh, it's amazing because... Paul started working the miraculous once he got filled with the Holy Spirit, once he got that counter with Jesus in the road of Damascus. And he started to tell these people, it's not your gods that heal these people. It's actually the Lord Jesus that does. And um, just to give a little backdrop, like I said, this, these churches were getting persecuted, that these were getting martyred for Christ. These people were put to death, tortured, beaten, imprisoned, all these things. And these are like the first century churches that started. These were like the first initial churches that started. So we're going to be covering that today. But before we jump in, I would love to get into prayer. So everyone, if you guys could bow your heads and close your eyes. And just come in agreement with me right now. Um, Father God, we just come to you right now. We come to just be in your presence, in your dwelling place. We come to seek you for who you are and not what you can give us. But to know you and to be known by you. And that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom today. And revelation in the knowledge of him that your eyes of your understanding would be enlightened today, that you may know what the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And Father, I just pray that you would just use me right now. 
as an open mouthpiece, that we welcome your Holy Spirit, that you're welcomed here, Holy Spirit, that you have full dominion here, that you run the show, not I, and that you would touch these people anywhere that they're listening, that your presence and your peace, Lord Jesus, would be upon them. We ask for any type of distractions or any type of influence or anything that's getting them off track to be canceled and bound up right now in Jesus' name. That we cancel the demonic activity and operations that are trying to affect these um, believers and followers and even unbelievers that are listening. That, Lord God, you would have, they would have your full attention right now. That you would make yourself known, Lord. That your word is from everlasting to everlasting. Oh God, touch them where they're at. Holy Spirit, interpret to them what they need to hear in this time. And give me the anointing and the tools and the equipment to preach your word with truth and righteousness and love and peace and wisdom today. Father, bless them and encourage them not to give up, but to fight the good fight of faith with endurance and perseverance to your reward that you will give them on that day, eternal life in your kingdom, Father. We give you all the glory and honor and praise. We bless your holy name, Jesus. And I ask you for all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right. Okay, so this is this is actually Jesus talking throughout all these two chapters. So these are all in red letters. And um, these are the seven churches of Asia Minor. So Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. The title is The Loveless Church. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, These things say, He who holds the seven stars in his hand, who walks in the midst of the seven gold lampstands. I'm going to stop right there because remember when we talked in Revelation chapter 1 about Jesus holding the seven stars on his right hand, the seven lampstands symbolize symbolize the church right it's a light unto the darkness and also the seven stars represent um the elders of the church but also there's another interpretation that are either the passenger the pastor messengers of the church or the guardian angels assigned to the church in his right hand So those are two different interpretations, but we can understand that Jesus has them in the palm of his hand, right? He has the power and dominion over it. Okay, verse two. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars 
and you have preserved and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Now it's saying for this particular church that it's left its first love. Our first love is Jesus. Always, forever, and the utmost, foremost, our first love. And the radical thing about this is that churches like this exist today that we can get so caught up in ministry that we can get so caught up in bringing souls to the kingdom and we get so caught up about how many people we have in the church and how big is our congregation and how many people are we impacting but we can lose sight of our first love that we need to be connected to the vine and that's jesus because we can do nothing of him And remember what Paul said is that you can pursue all these things, but if you do not pursue love, it's done in vain. You can have spiritual gifts. You can have a a great calling on your life. you um, You can work the miraculous. You can do all these mighty things. But if you don't have love, the love of Christ, not just regular human love, I'm talking about the love of Christ, compassion for people, then it's done in vain. Verse five, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I'll come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So. This is a forewarning from Jesus saying, if you do not turn to me, your first love and repent, right? Repent is not just confessing sin. It's turning away from sin, right? And this is what we have to realize is that if we truly love God, right? This is what Jesus said. If you truly love me, you'll keep my commandments. And there's two commandments that Jesus gave us was first, love God with all our heart, mind, soul, body, and strength. And then the second was love your neighbor as yourself. And if you fulfill those two laws, you fulfill the whole law. That's what Jesus said. So he's giving them a forewarning in this letter to this church, the loveless church, that they need to turn to the first love and repent before there's consequences. Verse 6, Revelation chapter 2. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear. But the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. You know, it's amazing if we... If we actually check in Genesis, the book of Genesis, the tree of life was in the Garden of Eden. And the Lord gave us the tree of life, but we choose to eat from the fruit of good and evil, right? 
the knowledge of good and evil. The one tree that we were not supposed to eat and then we fell, mankind fell into sin. And God uprooted that tree of life and brought it back to his kingdom. And now it's like, it's crazy how the beginning, the first book of the Bible is Genesis and the end of the book is Revelation, how it correlates but also makes a full circle right showing that that's the reward that we eat from the eternal life the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of god okay we're going to go on to the second church the persecuted church verse eight and to the angel of the church in in samaria right these things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blaspheme of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. So, Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain this a little bit in deeper context. Okay, so in the verse 8 and 11 of this verse for the second church, it explains that Sirna was poor and it was a persecuted church. Located in a beautiful city of wealthy and commercial greatness with a large Jewish population. It also says, even though the Christians were poor, probably as a result of economic boycott, they were spiritually rich. So that's, I love that. So material wise, they were poor, but spiritually they were rich. And that's far better to be that way. Cause guess what? You can't take your riches with you. All the accumulation of wealth that you have has to stay here. And your spirit is the one that goes. For eternity. Opposition from the Jews made life particularly difficult for Christians there. So the Jews obviously didn't believe that Jesus was the actual Messiah. And, you know, there's Orthodox, there's Orthodox Jews now, but there's Messianic Jews that believe that Jesus is the risen King, is the Messiah. So right now these Jews were saying, okay, well, we don't believe that Jesus was God in the flesh. Although their official title was the synagogue of the Lord, the hostile, unbelieving Jews had become a synagogue of Satan. The synagogue of the Lord is now the church. So the thing is, they're coming at the Lord like Satan would, right? Saying, you're not God. I want to be like God. You know, just all this opposition and rebuttal and resentment and bitterness towards our king. So that's what it's meaning by the synagogue of Satan. So 
they're going to face tribulation and trials and persecution and imprisonment. But the Lord's like, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. Okay. We're going to talk about the third church. It's the compromising church. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos writes, these things, the things says, he who has the sharp two-edged sword, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because you have, you have, excuse me, because you there, those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put stumbling blocks before the children of Israel to eat the sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Thus who also have, excuse me, thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent or else I'll come to you quickly and I and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So he's talking about the word, right? The word of God. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And Jesus is the word in the flesh, right? Verse 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I'll give him a white stone and on the stone a new name written which no one knows except him who receives it. So let me talk about this a little bit. So the Paragamos was that church, right? That third church we're talking about right now was doctrinally compromising church in the oldest city of the province and the official seat of the Roman government. So I believe that's why they were probably compromised because they were right in the heart of the Roman government. And like I said, these Romans had many gods they worshipped. Many gods. And they didn't know that Jesus was the one true living God. So there was compromise because, you know, obviously they're going to face criticism for believing in one God and not believing in the the Roman gods, right? They're false gods. So this is pretty interesting. It says how I know you, verse 13, I know your works and where you dwell and where Satan's throne is. And right here it says, Satan's throne may refer to the 200-foot-high altar to Zeus. So Zeus was like the god of gods in the Roman Empire, right? He was the god that threw lightning bolts down, and he was the king of the gods. And what Jesus is saying is that that was Satan's throne. Is that 200-foot-high altar to Zeus or to the fact that the Pergamos was the center of the emperor worship. 
in addition, the city was the center of worship of Asclepius, the god of healing. So that was the god that they were worshiping, whose symbol was a serpent, hmm. which to Christians symbolizes Satan. Antipas was evident the first Christian in Asia to be martyred to his faith. So even the Lord's like, I know, hold on, you hold fast to my name. You you don't deny my faith. You don't deny your faith that you have towards me. And, you know, Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But even then they were still compromising, eating sacrificial um, sacrificial lambs and goats or bulls to different idols and then committing sexual immorality too. And it says the doctor of Balaam and the doctor of the Nicolate, the Galatians, Nicolate, I think it's called Nic- Nicolatans, were teaching that seduced the people of God into idolatry and immorality. So, the, so Jesus is not having it, right? He's like, hey, you guys have to cut this off or Satan is going to rule over you. And Satan is going to have his way with you. If you don't come and submit to God, resist the devil, and he shall flee, right? So now we're going to go to the fourth church, the corrupt church. Mm. And to the angel of the church, and dieteria forgive me for all these (laughs) words like it's hard to pronounce but i'm trying my best here so bear with me these things says the son of god who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass i know your works love service faith and your patience And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent for her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her in great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. So let me just um, talk about this real quick. Actually, let me just go back to that white stone. I think people want to hear about that, right? What the Lord was saying in verse 17, midway. And I'll give him a white stone and on that stone, a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. So I'm going to talk a little bit about this. Um, Juries voted by acquittal by casting a white stone in an urn. Special stones were also used as tokens for various purposes, such as rewards for victors and games. So obviously Jesus is talking to them in their time and how they would understand things. Obviously it's different now, but there's still, um, 
there's there's always truth in what Jesus says. He is the truth. He's the way and the life. But it's but how they're breaking it down here, what these stones mean, um, it's just a little different than obviously what we grew up with. Um, the new name refers to the imputed character of Christ. So that's us being new characters of Christ. We're, we, we are in his image. We have the mind of Christ. We're a new creation of Christ. So that's what it means. Together, these three symbolic images represent unspecified yet guaranteed personalized blessings to be experienced in the age to come. So receiving this is a, a reward that the Lord's trying to say. And it's going to have a name on it that you would only know. So that's that's very interesting, and I'm waiting for that stone. <laughs> All right. Verse 23. So Revelation chapter 2, verse 23. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. I'll give to each one of you according to your works. So Jesus is a righteous judge, right? He judges the living and the dead. And... And what I was saying is that Jesus knows your heart and mind. You cannot deceive the Lord. And Jesus is going to give you what you've sown. So he is going to judge you according to your works. So if you're, if you're, if you're throwing <laughs> seed that is corruption, you will receive corruption, right? If you're receiving, if you're throwing seed that is blessing, you're going to get blessed, right? If that's kind of what Jesus is saying, I'm going to base you according to your works. And that's why it's so important that we just keep this, this fresh outlook and calibrating our heart every day to God. I said, and I always ask myself, I'm like, Lord, is my heart towards you today? Am I being well-pleasing to you today? Am I, am I walking in righteousness today? Because I need to constantly always constantly fine-tune myself because I can see myself maybe going way far off. And it's way harder to come back in if you can just stop yourself before you get too far away. Okay? All right, let's keep going, guys. Verse 24. Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyteria, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have until I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I'll give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels. As I also have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Have you noticed that we keep following the Spirit, right? The Spirit says, hear what the Spirit's telling us. Hear what the Holy Spirit's revealing to us. And it's so important because we can, we can start to misinterpret things if we're not connected. We can start listening to another voice when it says we know the good shepherd's voice, right? 
So we have to constantly be in tune. And it's just amazing because what this faith is, how our faith is being tested is, is based off endurance, is based off perseverance, is based off being steadfast. Can we hold until the end that we can receive eternal life, that we can receive the crown of life, that we can receive that stone of accomplishing the Lord's work, that we will be blessed to rule over the nations. So I know it's hard sometimes. I get it. Like I, I've been going through my own trials and tribulations, but I'm really learning the concept when James says, count it all joy, brothers, when you go through trials and tribulations. For your faith is being tested, which will produce patience. So we have so the Lord's teaching us this patience. He's not, He's not. He's not giving you trials and tribulations, but the Lord is seeing what you do in those trials and tribulations in chapter three. Does anyone have any questions? Does anybody need anything that I need to brush up on or maybe go into more um, further, further opening of the word? What's that? Yeah, details. Sorry. <laughs> okay. We'll carry along, guys. I know it's a lot. I know it seems like the book of Revelation can be like, oh, scary, and this is too complicated. I can't understand it. But if we break it down and let the Holy Spirit guide us and give us the interpretation of his word, we can understand this. Right, We have literally the Spirit of God in us that created the Bible. Right, It says all Scripture is inspired by God. It was God-breathed. That means that God used man, but God's given his Spirit to man to declare his word and write it down. Okay, this is the fifth church, the dead church. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I'll come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. So this is amazing right here. 
there's a lot of dead churches in this time. There's a lot of dead churches that don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. That they don't believe in the helper, the advocate, the counselor, the intercessor, the standby, right? And what Jesus is saying to this church in Sardis When he, when he says, I will come as a thief, refers to the unexpected historical judgment, not the second coming. The only condemnation of this church is recognition of the few who are faithful. And I love this. If we stay faithful to the Lord, this is what he says, he will reward us if we overcome. What overcome means in the Greek is Nikael, a word meaning to gain victory or get beyond. It is used by Jesus to set the standard of life before believers in John chapter 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Here are the six more times in Revelation Jesus urges believers and churches to remain faithful to him to the end. Overcoming is the ultimate demonstration of the reality of one's faith in Christ. And the way to his promised rewards. The word is also used in John chapter 16 verse 33 and Romans chapter 12 verse 21. The white garments that Jesus promises us once we overcome are the robes of righteousness of Jesus Christ and thus of the victorious joy. I love what Jesus said. I will not blot out his name, our names in the book of life, assures the certainty of the Lord's promise. The book of life is God's eternal record of the redeemed. So... I love how I heard this one pastor say, everyone's name is written in the book of life, but he who does not, or she who does not accept Jesus as a Lord and Savior will be blotted out. And I thought that was really fascinating because I never heard it that way. But I truly believe it is our duty as as believers in Christ, to be faithful to him all the way to the end. All right, this is what I want to be, the faithful church. And to the angel, verse 7, sorry, Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, He who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it for you have little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. That's amazing. So when we do not deny Christ and when we keep his word abided in us, he will literally open doors that no one can shut or close but him. Verse nine, indeed, I will make you, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and not and are not, 
but lie indeed. I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you because you have kept my command to persevere. I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write him on the name of, of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, this is amazing. There's so many blessings and benefits and prosperity and just just overwhelming goodness when we're faithful to the Lord. It truly shows that the Lord will keep us from trial, that the whole world will have to just, he will even bring people to come and worship at our feet. That means admire. That means to show that like, wow, these are, God's chosen people that stayed faithful all the way to the end, that didn't deny his name, that kept the Lord's word in their hearts and confessed it out their mouths, right? That have the crown of life and eternal life in him. Oh, so good. So when the Lord says, I will keep you in the Lord's assurance that according to John chapter 17, verse 6, 11, 12, and 15, he's able to persevere his people from the hour of trial. That is in the midst of the great tribulation, right? Which has been and will continue to be anticipated through many historical manifestations. Those who dwell on the earth describes humankind in opposition to God. So this is when the body of Christ, the wife of Christ, the bride of Christ, right? The the church will be raptured, right? Taken out of trial. This is what he's talking about, the faithful church, that God has not appointed wrath unto his people who are faithful. That you won't have to go through the great tribulation, the seven years, right? You will actually be with the Lord first seven years at the marriage lamb or the the wedding feast or the the marriage help me holy spirit the marriage supper of the lamb that's what i that's what i was trying to say the marriage supper of the lamb that's actually a, a wedding feast that we get to spend with jesus being reunited to the groom and the bride becoming one again and what he says he just warns them that he would keep us away from the hour of trial. It's clear that the literal promise to believers for deliverance from coming, from the coming of the great tribulation does not indicate a, pers- a preservation in, but complete exemption from the earth's final distresses. That's amazing. That's so, that's, that's something to be glad <laughs> and rejoice and be thankful 
that you don't have to face the trial of what the of what the world has done and rejected Jesus, right? And and turned their backs away and served Satan, the God of this world, right? I love this too. I'm coming quickly is a warning to the oppressors and the encouragement to the oppressed. It says, I am coming quickly. It is a warning to the oppressors and encouragement to the oppressed. And when he's, when Jesus is talking about that new Jerusalem that comes from heaven and that will actually be here on earth, he says it like this, the city often honored a notable citizen by erecting a pillar in the temple, which is his name inscribed on it. Thus the Lord will honor his faithful permanently. Go out no more by inscribing on them the name of my God, of the new Jerusalem and of Christ, indicating identification with the possession by God, a spiritual citizenship and a reflection of character of Christ I love that. So it's literally, we become heirs to God's kingdom. We are citizens of heaven. We are citizens of the new Jerusalem that will be brought here to this earth if we are faithful to the very end, to Jesus. Okay, this is the last church, and this will be the last thing I say. The lukewarm church. Verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say I am rich and I have become wealthy. I have no need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. This is Jesus talking, guys. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed. And the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with the eyes of salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chase and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And any, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Wow. Mm. I'll go in a little bit of detail, but that's pretty self-explanatory. God doesn't want you to be neither neither or. He either wants you to be on fire or cold. Because lukewarmness is not going to cut it for the Lord. He wants you all in or all out. Okay? 
I'm going to explain this lukewarm thing because I think if we get a better understanding of this, we can kind of do a self-evaluation where we stand with the Lord. Neither cold nor hot. Cold springs are refreshing. Hot mineral springs are medicinal. Lukewarm is nauseating. Their nominal state prompts a warning from Jesus. I will vomit you out of my mouth. It is not clear that this is a warning, is an indication they may lose their justification by nominal Christianity. Mm. Certainly deprives of the blessing of intimacy with Jesus. Let me let me say this because I, I really felt like I got revealed this today by the Holy Spirit. You can act like a Christian, you can go to church like a Christian, you can worship God as a Christian, but if you do not know Christ intimately, personally, and have this encounter with Jesus, if you don't have this confidence in him, and if you don't know him like how we're supposed to know him, you really need to ask God at work Take me further in. Help me more to be more saturated with you. Help me to be fully invested. Help me not to have one foot in, one foot out. Help me not to be on the fence, but fully committed to you. Now, I get it. You make mistakes, and we've all sinned, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But if we first seek his kingdom and his righteousness, all things will be added unto us. That's what we need to focus on. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. That needs to be one of our confessions that we confess to the Lord. Because you know what? I do not want to be spitting out of Jesus' mouth. I want Jesus to say to me when I walk through those gates of heaven into the courts of God, that Jesus would come up to me and says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I'm looking for. And I know this world has many things to offer, but this world has nothing comparable to what Jesus has to offer for us. (sighs) Behold, I stand at the door and knock. It's addressed to the complacent church. Individuals may still open the door and enjoy intimate fellowship with the Lord. That he waits for the door to be opened shows the paradox of grace and personal responsibility. A door standing open in heaven is the door of prophetic. Excuse me. Of prophetic revelation. Jesus is knocking on our doors, guys. And we can let him in or we can let him stay outside. I want to give people the opportunity that don't know Jesus to truly know Jesus and to open the door of your heart for him to come in. 
So I want everyone just to bow their heads and close their eyes. And if you don't know Jesus, this is the opportunity for salvation today. Salvation is for today. Jesus wants to become Lord of your life. Jesus wants to dine with you and you to dine with him. Jesus stands fast at the door. And if anyone hears his voice and opens the door, he says, I will come in to him or her and dine with him or her and he or she with me. He wants to give you his kingdom. He wants to give you eternal life. He wants to give you the crown of life. He wants your faithful commitment to him. So if you want to accept Jesus, whoever's listening, even if you backslidden, even if you are lukewarm right now, this is your time to repent. This is your time to fixate your heart, commit your life to Jesus right now. So we're going to pray right now in agreement. And whoever's listening, if you repeat after me, Jesus will come and dine with you forevermore. Father, we just come to you right now. And we ask you that you would grant us salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that you so loved the world that you gave your one and begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus, we open the door to our hearts right now we ask you Jesus to save us right now we ask you Jesus to become our Lord our master and our savior father we believe that Jesus died on that cross for all our sins. We believe that Jesus rised on the third day and has seated at the right hand of you, Father. We also ask that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit right now. We repent, we ask for mercy, and we ask for your grace to shine upon us right now. Jesus, we are fully committed to being faithful to you all the way until death we give you the glory and honor and praise we believe it and receive it in faith in jesus name
Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, you are now in right relations with the Father God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Now you have this access into God's kingdom because of what Jesus paid on that cross when he reconciled us back to the Father. And if anyone is backslidden right now or lukewarm, Father, or just not believing in you, or don't, or they're searching, Lord, I ask you, Lord, that you would make yourself known to them, that you would reveal yourself to them, that you would identify in their hearts what they need to repent and move past and move forward into you that they would open the doors of their heart and let you in to dine with you and you with them. Lord, I pray that you would just have your Holy Spirit touch them and convict them of any unrighteousness, anything of habitual sin, anything that's hindering their relationship with you, Father, today. Well, God, forgive them, give them mercy and grace, just like you forgive me and, and give me mercy and grace. Bless them as they go. I pray that your word was planting good soil today, that it will bear much fruit for your kingdom, Father, that they become disciples for the Lord Jesus. We love you and thank you for all these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you guys want to reach us, just go to Maranatha Ministries Love at gmail.com. We would love to converse with you. We would love to give you resources. We would love to help you in your walk. Um, as a believer in Christ. Is there anything that anybody wants to share? Anybody wants to talk about? Or anything of that sort? Recording stopped. All right, well, if that is it, we are done for today. Woohoo! Was that 